Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. As we adapt in this season of pandemic, we are meeting in our house churches in person and online as a primary space for worship, formation, connection, and encouragement. Teachings like this are one way we engage with scripture seeking to become more like Christ. These teaching podcasts also serve as a conversation starter for deeper engagement at House Church. We're glad you're listening. The first passage we're going to read is Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 4. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the reunited cities that have been devastated for generations. And the next passage is Mark 1, verses 1 to 15. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. At once the spirit sent him out into the desert and he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Mayor. Good morning. It's good to see you all, even though some of you are like way back there. Most of you are way back there. I'm really glad that you all are here this morning. I know we have a number of folks who are uh, at a conference this weekend, so we're even lighter in number. Um, you all are feeling a little lonely down front. That's okay. Uh, but yeah, it's good to be here. I'm glad that you all are here. Um, this past summer, I, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I I had put in a lot of work um, putting together our house church liturgy for our house churches, and and I sent it out to the house church shepherds, and and I got an email back from from Dennis, 
and and he basically said, man, like there's so much in there. It's it's lots of good stuff, but there's so much in there. And he he basically basically said, Ben, you need to keep it simple, stupid. Um, he didn't call me stupid, but in his loving way, he's he saying, you got to think about how you can simplify this, especially as you uh, are becoming a parent of, of three boys now, your family's changing, keep it simple. Uh, and, and over the next uh, however many months ago that was, that message has just kind of been, been resonating in me. Keep it simple and thinking about what does it mean for, for me to keep it simple, but what does it look like for a church to kind of keep it simple? Uh, in November, my oldest son, Daniel, and I started uh, reading through the Bible. Uh, I know lots of our, our RISE students have, have kind of engaged that with their parents of trying to read through the, the entire Bible uh, in a year. I don't think Daniel and I are going to get through it in a year, but that's time isn't all that important. The goal, the purpose is that we're reading scripture together, which is great. But uh, I am. I think I'm like pretty much everybody else. Maybe, maybe there's a few. But when you get into some of like toward the end of Exodus, and there's all these descriptions of of what the tabernacle should look like, how to build it, what cloth you should use, how big it should be, how much each little piece should weigh, and all of that, and and it's in kind of gets a little mind numbing for me. Maybe that's just me, um, but was reading through that, and I'm sure that the Lord speaks at different times, and I, I know the Lord actually spoke to me in this reading, because there was a phrase in the midst of all of those descriptions that just kept coming out to me, and it says, Moses did it just as the Lord commanded. Moses did it just as the Lord commanded. Over and over and over, we hear this, Moses did it just as the Lord commanded. And I begin to think, that's what it means to keep it simple. <laughs> Do it just as the Lord commanded. And, and that, like, uh, early in January, Doug sent out a question for folks, like, what adjectives do you want to describe your relationship with Jesus this year? And for me, that adjective is obedient. I want people to be able to say, Ben did it just as Jesus commanded it. And that's my heart for us as, as a community of Renew. Renew did it just as the Lord commanded Renew did it just as the Lord commanded. Two weeks ago, uh, Doug kind of cast some vision for us, uh, reminding us who we are and who we're called to be. And he shared that that we see this as as a rebuilding uh, through all that all churches have been through over the last two years. Uh, This is a season of rebuilding, rebuilding our faith, rebuilding our kingdom imagination. And so as we rebuild... I want us to, to remember what our foundation is, rather who our foundation is. And of course, that foundation is Jesus. And Jesus said at the end of his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, 24, 25, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew against that house, yet it did not fail because it had its foundation on the rock. Jesus says that doing what he says is like building a house on a firm foundation. And so that's our heart. Doug and I have been talking about this for for a few months now, but this year we want to pay careful attention to what Jesus said to do and to do it.
that we would be a church, that we would be a community that is obedient to the commands of Jesus, trusting that he is life, that he, his teaching is the way to life, to abundant life, to kingdom life, trusting indeed that Jesus in the way, is the way and he commanded these things because he knows what he's talking about because he's fully God and fully human. And he know, so he knows what relationships should look like. He knows what it means to be a human and to live our life fully dedicated to God. Uh, so so this, this year, we're going to pay attention to Jesus. We're going to try to keep it simple. Pay attention to Jesus and practice doing what he said. Now, that can come with a whole lot of creativity. That can come with uh, a whole lot of uh, different options. Obedience isn't always just dutiful obedience. Uh, there's opportunities for beauty in that. Um, but let's, it's not easy. It's not easy, but it is simple. Pay attention to Jesus. Do what he said. So we're going to jump in. Uh, and Mayor read from Mark 1. And in Mark 1, we come across Jesus' first command. Repent and believe. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. And so if we're rebuilding, if we're being called into this, it's pretty important that we realize there may be some things that we need to let go of. There may be some things that we need to repent of. Um, you, you may have heard, I, I'm not going to assume, but you may have heard before that the Greek word in the New Testament for sin has a definition of missing the mark missing the mark. So the Greek word metanoia, uh, sorry, that's the word for repentance. Uh, hamartia means, can mean missing the mark. And that's one definition. Um, it paints a picture for us. Another definition is going off the road or off the right way. It is to go wrong, to sin. Um, but that, that raises a really important question, right? If sin is, if one understanding of sin is to miss the mark, well, what is the mark? Any, any thoughts? I can, you all can shout it out. What's the mark? Anybody? Love? Yeah, sometimes I think we're, we're tempted to think that the mark is like this moral perfection, like God's perfect standard. And certainly, that's a beautiful thing, but I don't think that's the mark. I think the mark is intimate communion and fellowship with God, to be in God's presence and to recognize that we are fully loved, fully known uh, in his presence. That's the mark, and so we, we pursue that. And so if that's the mark, then repentance means we've got to change our desires change our mind, change our heart, change our actions, and change our relationships to orient ourselves to that mark. And of course, again, Jesus is the way. Uh, another way to think about this would be uh, in Romans 3, we read that um, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that would be the mark, the glory of God. Well, the glory of God is his presence. Over and over in the Old Testament, we see God's glory, and it's his presence. And he says to Moses, who says, show me your glory, 
God responds, I will go before you. I will pass in front of you and show you all of my goodness. So the mark is God's glorious goodness, his life and love. So sin leaves us falling short of that. We wander off the path toward that presence. And so Jesus comes and says, repent, come to the right road. Come back to this God of love. Come back to this God who knows you, whose glory is his goodness. Mortimer Arias in his book, Announcing the Reign of God, says that repentance is a total reorientation of life toward the kingdom of God. And it goes to the roots in our hearts and it manifests and bears fruit in our actions and our relationships through trusting ourselves fully to God. And there's a couple great examples of repentance in, in the New Testament. There's, there's plenty more, but two that come to mind would be like Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector, and he uses his status as a tax collector to earn a little extra for himself. But repentance begins because he hears about the good news of this, this maybe he's the Messiah, Jesus. And, and so that begins his repentance, right? I got to see him. So I'll climb up in a tree so I can see him. And then Jesus comes to him and meets him. And Zacchaeus recognizes that he's got to reorient his life about this, around this Messiah. I'm going to give back anything that I've stolen. Anybody I've cheated, I'm going to give it back to them and more because I've got to orient my life around, around this Messiah, around God's goodness, being reminded of who God is. We'll also think about the, the prodigal son um, <clears throat> who, who asked for his father's inheritance. His sin, yes, his sin is, is, is squandering all this money on, on things that were not good, um, but his sin began when he left his father's house. He was, he was there. He was in the presence of all his father's goodness, and he decided to leave it. And so his repentance is, I'm, I got to go back home. I've got a good father. Maybe, maybe he doesn't want to be my dad anymore, but at least he'll let me be his servant. But he's met by that God who welcomes him home full of love. And the older son who's also invited to repentance, we're not sure whether he does or not. His repentance is thinking he can, he deserves it. It's his own self-righteousness. And his father says, no, just come into the house. Come home. But all of this uh, is the invitation for us. So Jesus commands us to repent and believe the good news. Some of us need to be reminded that we are bearers of good news. We've received this good news. So we need to remember that. Uh, but how is Jesus inviting you to repent? Okay. And, and sometimes we think, well, well that, that means like we are willfully doing things that we shouldn't do. And so we need to do like a complete 180 and turn around. And, and certainly there are, there are opportunities for that. And there, are, there may be something in your life that that is the case where, where God's calling you to do a complete 180. But we can miss the mark just by being off like two degrees, Right? And so maybe it's just a little shift. Maybe it's just a little shift. Maybe God's just inviting us to, to, to let go of our self-pity or our, our, 
uh, self-righteousness um, or our self-justification, our selfishness. Maybe we think we're, we're on, a, yeah, I'm living a good life. Maybe God's like, hey, you're living a good life, but you're missing out on my presence. And so repent and choose this different way. Uh, and we need other people to be able to speak into our lives because maybe they're blind spots. Um, but this week, I want to invite you to, to consider, and maybe it's hitting you this morning. Uh, maybe it's something you need to sit with throughout this week. How is Jesus calling you to repent? So I want to invite you to read, reflect, and pray with Psalm 139. Now, you may be familiar with, the, with that psalm, and the very last verse is really this call to repentance. Search my heart, O God. Search me. See if there's any offensive or hurtful way in me. So we're inviting God to, to lead us into repentance, right? But if we jump to that verse and don't read the rest of Psalm 30, 139, we're missing out. We're missing out on the God who fully knows us and fully loves us. That psalm is beautiful, and we need to start there to be reminded of who God is and then invite him in. All right, since you know me so well, since you love me, show me, God, how you want me to change. Uh, also, just read the passage that Mayor read for us, Mark 1, 1 through 15, and just imagine yourself as, as one of the people that Jesus comes to and says the time is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. Repent. How is Jesus wanting you to repent? What changes? How might Jesus want to change your thoughts and your beliefs? How might Jesus want to change your affections and your desires? What actions might Jesus want you to change? What relationships might he want to change? So that's Jesus' first command that we see in the, in the Gospel of Mark. But that, that repentance, that first command, repent, leads us to one of Jesus' other commands. And that is, seek first the kingdom of God. So if the Mark is the kingdom of God, Jesus invites us to repent and to seek it. And Doug talked about we need to rebuild our kingdom imagination we need to begin to, to take risks once again, to, to co-create with God, to join in with what God might want to do in our midst. So we seek first the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus uh, calls us to do, commands us to do. And Mayor read from Isaiah 61, uh, Jesus tells lots of parables to try to give us a picture and to imagine what the kingdom of God is like. He tells these stories. And we also have lots of, lots of messages in the prophets of what God's kingdom is supposed to look like. And, and this passage in Isaiah 61 is one of them. It's meant to inspire us. It's meant to encourage us. Uh, it's meant to meet us and to remind us that we are inheritors of this promise because the king has come. I'm going to read it again from Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And there may be areas in our lives where we're still, we're still longing for that good news, longing for freedom, longing for, for hope and joy instead of mourning. I don't want to diminish that at all, but the reality that we also have to remember is that because Christ has come, because of what Jesus has done, we've already received so many of these things. And so then we become the rebuilders. We become the bearers of this news. We become agents of this good news as we seek first the kingdom of God. We are inheritors of this promise, of this kingdom reality. We become proclaimers and ambassadors of that. I love Steve's story. I was thinking as he was talking about his student Grace playing volleyball without anything on her head. I was thinking about this passage. Her, her crown of beauty was her bald spots. But the smile on her face, because she was able to take off that hat of shame because she was met by the God of love. And so her bald spots are radiating God's beauty because his kingdom had come through the sharing of stories, through being vulnerable and being met by the grace and goodness of God. This has to spark our kingdom imagination. Who is poor who needs this good news? Who is brokenhearted that we might comfort and heal? Who are the captors and prisoners, both literally and also figurative? Captives of shame or loneliness or anxiety or depression. Captives of, of unjust laws. How might we be agents of freedom to them? Who is mourning that we could comfort? And what does that comfort look like? Who is sitting in a pile of ashes? And how might we bring beauty into their lives? What oil of joy do we have for the weeping? who is languishing in a spirit of despair, and what garment of praise can we bring? I heard a story last week. Um, I was at the, the missional equipping with Lance Ford, and he shared this story. Um, there was a, a gentleman who was, uh, he visited a church, and he was sharing about how we are all called to be agents of God's goodness. We all have gifts and resources that we can use for the sake of God's kingdom. And after he, he shared, an older woman came up to him and said, I've, I've never done anything for God. I believe, but I've never done anything for God. Never done anything like, like you're talking about. And a, a year later, this gentleman was back at the church and this old lady came up to him and he didn't recognize her at first. She said, do you remember me? And he said, I'm sorry, you're going to have to remind me. And she shared 
I came up to you and said I had never done anything. And you told me that I should just go home and begin to pray that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done in the lives of my neighbors. And she lived, she was an older woman, I think in her 70s. And she was on a low fixed income and she lived in a low income apartment with lots of single moms uh, as neighbors, uh, lots of teenagers. But she went home and she began to pray, your kingdom come. God, would your kingdom come in my neighbor's lives? And as she prayed, she began to think about her gift. And one of the gifts that she has is that she could make fantastic blueberry muffins. And so she thought, I think maybe the kingdom of God looks like me making blueberry muffins. And the next morning she saw uh, about, I think, six teenagers, six middle schoolers outside of her apartment waiting for the bus. And she thought, I should take them some blueberry muffins. And she began to do this regularly. I think every day. I, I don't remember all the details of the story. But she began to make blueberry muffins and she took them to them. And you know, you know these middle schoolers started to tell their friends, hey, <laughs> there's blueberry muffins at our bus stop. And so there began to be more teenagers there waiting for blueberry muffins and she continued to make them. And a couple months later, the apartment manager came to her and said, oh, we've noticed you've been making blueberry muffins for, for the, the middle schoolers. And she thought he was coming to tell her to stop. But he said, we have a huge budget for this apartment building to do repairs and clean up graffiti and paint over the graffiti. And we've noticed over the last month, we haven't spent any of that money. There hasn't been anything to fix. There hasn't been any graffiti to paint over. And we're pretty sure it's because you've been making blueberry muffins. And he said to her, I talked to the landlord and he's willing to let you live here free of rent as long as you'll keep making these blueberry muffins. <laughs> Sounds like a good deal. But then the single moms in her apartment began to build relationship with her. The teenagers were building relationship with her because someone took the time to know them and care about them, hear their stories. And so the single moms began to ask her to take care of their kids when they needed help, and she began to do it. And then she started sharing about her church, and the middle schoolers were like, yeah, could we come with you? She said, yeah. So she put them in her car, but her car wasn't big enough, so she shared with some of her widow friends, hey, could you come and bring rides? So they had uh, different cars coming and picking up these kids and taking them to, to youth group. And eventually the church decided, hey, we should probably just buy a van for them. And she shared with this man, I'm, I'm a 78-year-old youth pastor. Who would have thought a year ago? The kingdom of God is like blueberry muffins. What kingdom imagination could the Lord spark in us? And what if we began to pray, God, would your kingdom come? in Jonathan's life down the street. And we began to listen and think about what if God might be inviting us to be part of his kingdom breaking in in Jonathan's life down the street.
So I want to invite you to pray this week, to begin praying. Doug shared about neighbors who, were, who we may want to be walking with. But to begin to pray, God, how, how might you, God, would your kingdom come and would your will be done? And if you want to use me in that, here I am. Here I am. I'll make blueberry muffins. I, I'm not going to make blueberry muffins, but they probably wouldn't be anywhere near as good. But that's not the point, right? Kingdom imagination. What do we have? What can we give? And allow God to bring his kingdom through us. So repentance leads us to seeking first God's kingdom. And repentance also leads us to one of Jesus' other commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the mark, right? <laughs> this is the mark. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I always kind of like wrestle a little bit with being commanded to love God. There's something that just, I don't know, a little bit weird about that. Um, but then when you encounter God's goodness, it becomes not so much of a command, but a joyful response. Um, but there is a, a really interesting dynamic of obedience and dynamic of communion and the love of God. The dynamic of obedience and love. Sometimes we obey God out of the fullness of our heart, right? Like we're just... Yes, God, thank you so much. And I'm going to do what you said because I know you love me. We're riding the passionate wave of love for him that pours out and wanting to obey him to demonstrate our love. But sometimes we obey God out of commitment, out of duty. And that's, that's not really any less love. That's, that's what I think part of what it means to love God with all of our strength. Yeah, my heart's not necessarily overflowing with it. I'm not feeling it so much but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to do it anyway. And often that obedience continues to reorient our heart and to, to, to grow that love for God. Um, most of you know that we welcomed beautiful Oliver into our family in September. And, and with a new child... Uh, that meant there were more, responsi more responsibilities around home, doing laundry and washing bottles. Uh, in the first few months, I kid you not, like, I was, I was glad to do it. Like, we've, we've, we've got this beautiful baby. What a great gift. And I, so I was excited to do these things because this was how I could love my family, by doing laundry, by washing bottles. And I did it with a smile on my face most of the time because I was just thankful and overflowing with love. Recently, I will confess that I've gotten a little bit tired of doing laundry and washing bottles. They start to feel a little bit monotonous, but I still do them. And several times, actually quite a bit actually, in those moments of feeling like, I don't really want to do this right now, but I'm going to, the Lord has met me and reminded me of what a gift it is to be able to serve my family. This is how I can love my family, by doing laundry, by caring, by caring for my family, by washing bottles. Sometimes love is that, that great feeling, and sometimes love is continuing to do the dishes. So friends, 
in this season, um, yeah, we want to we want to pay careful attention to Jesus. And that's nothing new. That's, I mean, that's what the church should be about all the time, right? I just want to invite you, pay careful attention to Jesus. Listen to what he says to do and trust him. Trust him to do good things as you obey. So Jesus invites us into repentance, commands us to repent, to reorient our lives to him to seek first his kingdom and to love him with everything we have. Obedience to the commands of Jesus is rooted in trust, faith, in his goodness, in the coming of the kingdom. It's rooted in the belief that Jesus is Lord and that is fully divine and fully human. He is the best teacher because he knows what it means to be fully human. And he is the way of abundant life and communion with God. And our obedience is covered in grace. We don't earn anything by being obedient. We don't earn anything. But we are moved by his grace to put in the effort to live according to his truth. Trusting that he is guiding us to the mark. To fully loving God with all of our being and being embraced fully by the God who loves us with all of God's heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the firm foundation and that your words, your commands bring life. Your commands lead us to the goodness and the fullness of God and his love for us. God, would you spark in us creative kingdom imagination that we would seek your kingdom first, that we would seek your righteousness, right relationship with you. God, would you love us with all you are. We know that you are. Would you help us to receive that and respond to you, loving you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Would you rebuild us so that we can be agents of the rebuilding of your kingdom coming in our lives and in the lives of our neighbors, friends, and in in the world around us? Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.